Hey everybody, it's Dana here, author of Release Your Inner Wild, the modern day women's guide to reconnecting with your true self, honoring your health, passion, and power. You know, I'd always wanted to be a guest on a podcast and then thought, well, what am I waiting for? Why don't I just create my own? So I'm going to be sharing some life stories and experiences as well as speaking to some other women about theirs and about what makes us healthy, strong, grounded, wild women. So if you're on that path of self-discovery, or even if you're not quite sure if you're on that path yet, I invite you to listen in because I can promise there will be something beautiful and valuable for you to take away. At least that is my most heartfelt and deepest desire for you. So thank you in advance for listening, and I look forward to sharing many beautiful stories. Good morning, Good morning. Kim. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Congratulations on, I was going to say, on being a guest on the podcast, because this is your first time, right? It is my first time. Yeah. It is. It is. I'm just hitting my do not disturb. Now we are good to go for as long as we'd like. Okay. Amazing. Um, to have this conversation and and I, at the beginning of almost every podcast, and it's always true, I'm excited, right? I'm excited to talk with someone about something wonderful. Um, this one, you know, it really hits so close to home that it f- feels really special to me. So um, I'm, I'm really delighted that we're chatting. And uh, thank you for saying yes, because we, you know, we don't really know each other that well, right? Not yet. Not, Not yet. <laughs> And for people listening, um, you know, to give a, I'm going to give a brief introduction about you, Kim, but also to let them know it, you know, we met, we met quote um, on Instagram, however many months ago. Um, And I just really, as I mentioned to you yesterday, so again, for people listening, Kim and I chatted yesterday as in preparation for today. um, And I shared with her that I just loved everything about what I saw and there was this radiance that was projected through her Instagram photos, not only because she's an incredible photographer, but just through her energy. Um, and so I just reached out and said, hey, would you be a guest on my podcast? And she said, yes. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. Yeah. And I do want to mention, too, that normally when, I, when I'm chatting with someone, it's to do with a product or a service or something that they offer, right, in terms of health and wellness. and. Yeah while we're definitely going to mention that towards the end about your, your pottery and your incredible studio, the reason I really reached out was, was about your personal story. Yeah. And, and um, which I, through a friend and then you filled me in yesterday on the, on the, the picture. And so I really actually want to start with that today. And I'll mention when we, when I asked if you'd be on the podcast and you used the term nonlinear right away, I was like, okay, you had me at nonlinear. I was like, this is my gal. So, so there's nothing, nothing has gone according to that I want to share with people. Um, And so, yeah, if you, I'm going to, okay. So I'll I'll read a little bio here uh, for people listening. Kim Taylor is a mom of four boys, a potter and a photographer Uh, She recently moved back to British Columbia after being away for 20 years. She practices pottery on a small island off the east coast of Vancouver Island. And really, that's a very summarized bio of you. I mean, you're obviously so much more and so much bigger than that description. But just to give people context for what you do and where you live. Yeah. Um, 
and and I do want to also say when people go to visit your Instagram page, which I'm sure they'll do after they listen, um, your pottery is like this incredible combination for me anyway of like modern, rustic, contemporary, super sexy. I love how your mugs don't have handles. Like it's so great. (laughs) And awesome. I love it so much. Yeah. So before we start, is there anything that you want to just add before I ask you to tell your, your most personal story? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Not really. I think that you've really covered, you know, the basic, you know, who I, what I do anyway, not who I am because we aren't what we do. But right. yeah, that's, I think that covers it. Okay, cool. And, and if we had to put a theme to this podcast, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll figure out, you know, how I was to gonna really... say, if, if you can yeah. put a theme to this podcast, you have a magic ability because I don't <laughs> see any. It's so funny that we started talking and it doesn't seem to have a, an actual like focus, does it? I mean, to some right. degree, but. Well, for, and, and after we chatted yesterday, um, what comes to mind really in terms of quote theme is like happiness and gratitude and how that has changed your life. And also um, for the women listening, because a lot of the women listening are in the demographic of our age, I'm going to say like 40 to 55. Yeah. And so not just happiness and gratitude and how that changed your life, but how you found that at at 46, 46 in a (laughs) nonlinear way. And I just think it's so freaking awesome. Like, like I said, it hits really close to home for me. So I, I really normally don't care about age and don't talk about age. But I think for some women who are in that demographic who have not found that or don't practice that I think it's really relevant, actually. So yeah, I agree. So, so yeah, tell us, tell us and coming up with questions for this was really challenging. I was like, how do I ask these linear questions for this conversation? But I did my best. And I, I do want to start with, um, with your story about you and Scott. Yeah. So we, so I am 50 as of this year, this past year, and I have had a really, um, a lot of different chapters. And I tend to think of things in chapters because I don't like to think of like anything being final, but this is just another one of them. But I've had a lot of chapters. Um, I've been married twice. I have four boys. Um, and so Scott and I have known each other since we were 19 and 20. We dated in our mid-20s for about a year and a half. And then about four years ago, we reconnected. My elder brother had passed away. And we just reconnected over just a, a kind message of, you know, of him saying something nice about having lost a brother. And it just, um, I was in a time in my life when, I hadn't, well, as you and I discussed yesterday, I don't know that I ever had had a place of of safety and real happiness. I am a generally happy person, but I hadn't, I hadn't found my place. And that reconnection kicked off a series of events that um, completely changed the trajectory of my life. I mean, just... Yeah, it was crazy. I was in a place of kind of always searching for where I was supposed to be, but it just, it opened up possibility, I think. And I wasn't looking for possibility. I think I had settled and it just, I took a leap and that was it. And where were you, where were you living at the time when you reconnected? I was living in Seattle 
Um, Two of my boys had had grown up and moved out. One of them was in high school. One was in uh, junior high. And I, I had a really, I had a really pretty life. I had a very, I had, I never, you know, I never wanted for anything, God forbid, needed for anything. Um, And that had been my life for, I guess, almost 17 years. And um, I can honestly say for me that having everything certainly doesn't buy happiness. It certainly doesn't create happiness. It creates happy moments but I think you're always searching for the next happy moment. So for me, I don't know that I had ever in my life up until that point been content. I certainly didn't practice gratitude. I was always searching for something to bring me joy. And um, I was not, certainly wasn't finding it in what I already had. And when you, when you reconnected with him, well, and I have a question. So you dated when you were 20 ish. Um, yeah. And then when you broke up, did you ever have moments after that? Like before you got married, um, where you thought, oh, were you questioned or, or you missed him or you kind of wished you'd been with him or was there anything like that or was it just that you broke up and carried on and, no. and he carried on? We broke up and it was, um, I mean, honestly, at that point in my life, I was a hot mess, which is the reason we broke up. We both were young and, you know, just trying to figure out life and in our, you know, mid-20s and I had two kids at that point. Um, I thought about him Always, but not in that way. We we broke up and I did not communicate with him for probably 14 years, at least 14 years, like not a thing, no Facebook, no nothing. Um, his sister-in-law and I had remained friends, you know, through Facebook. So I did know that he had a child exactly the same time I had my last child, which is the only reason it was even brought up is it was kind of funny that four days after I had my fourth, he had, he had a child. So Mm -hmm. other than that, no connection. It was very, I had, I had thrown myself into the life that I had and I was constantly searching on how to make that life um, the life that I wanted. And the fact mm-hmm. is from the outside, it looked really amazing. And there were many amazing things about it. Mm-hmm. It was not where I was meant to be, but for that chapter it was. And so that's where I was. And that's where I grew probably the most in my entire life is in those 16, 17 years. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you reconnected and you got that message from him about your brother, um, was it like an instant knowing, like, okay, now's the time for me oh, no. to be with him? Oh, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no. fantasizing the whole thing. No, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> uh, we, we had run into each other um, about three years prior. My eldest had moved back to Canada. He was my first two were born here. And um, we had just run into each other. And it was, I, it was just a quick catch up. And this is where I am. This is where you are. It was a little bit of closure because our breakup was really, really tough in our 20s. And so it was nice. I think we left that running into each other at Starbucks feeling um, just, I just had some closure and it was good. And that was it. I was still fully, you know, at that point, um, three years prior, I was still, you know, trying to make my marriage work in the parameters of what my marriage offered, which was two people who were, you know, doing their best to raise kids and run a life and be partners. And so I was just, that's where I was mentally. I was not, I wasn't invested in it at that point. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then 
now you don't have to share all the things, but in the, in the reconnect, in the time that you reconnected where you knew it was going to be him. Can you tell us a bit about what that was like? That was a very slow process. Okay. It was really slow. You know, what's funny is I think um, the reason it could be slow is because it was the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so there was with our relationship, unlike my previous two relationships, uh, there was no sense of urgency. There was no sense of fear that it could be taken away or that it could go away. Uh, not from, from day one, even as just reconnecting as friends or people who knew each other, not even as friends. There was just a sense of, I don't know. It's like, I just, I never ever felt the need to rush to the next step. It just was what it was. And it's become what it is now, which is, as he often refers to it as nauseating because it's just <laughs> so because good. there's no it's so it, we laugh about it about like oh my god we're gross <laughs> just because we've both been in other places we've both done marriage we've both raised kids and it just there's never any sense of um questioning with it so it's just it's become this really amazing solid ground and I think with one of your questions being, you know, where do you find happiness? I think for the first time in my life, the reason I have this innate, deep sense of happiness comes from a place of knowing the ground under my feet is solid and no one can take it away. You know, because in the end, our relationship is incredible, but my solid ground is based on the fact that I feel loved and lovable for the first time truly which sounds so ridiculous as a child with parents and you know having been married but I feel this sense of um, value that for whatever reason it took having someone kind of shine a mirror on my value for me to see it and so now the ground below my feet is solid so I actually can feel and I think that's where all the gratitude comes from is Mm -hmm. finally feeling at rest and not searching. Mm -hmm. And I, there's two things I want to touch on. One is you said, you know, when you took the leap with him and it's cool because, you know, twice in my life that I can recall, I took two pretty major leaps and they weren't, one was not slow. One was sort of had a gradual. So it's interesting the word leap, right? Like sometimes we associate the word leap with just like throw caution to the wind, jump in that, that can be what leap is, but leap is also like, sitting with this, this stuff long enough to know that you're sure about something, right? And so it doesn't yeah. always look really quick. Um, so I like how you, you said that you took the leap with him, but now you're explaining that the process was slow. And yeah, it was just very, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think because, I think when you're not looking, it's when things find you when you're not looking, yeah. they just feel different. Like yeah. they... It just, it just feels different. And I think leap can also, I mean, it doesn't mean it's things aren't scary or you're not having to be vulnerable. Yeah. But I think honestly, I was thinking about this last night. He is the first person I've ever been able to be vulnerable with. And that's not to mean that when, you know, I share myself with friends or with really in relationships that I have that I'm not honest or let people see me hurt or let me people see me sad or struggling or, but I can, I don't, I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever had no walls Mm -hmm. with anyone the way I do with him, which is an incredible feeling because I was a child 
I grew up with walls just because I needed to appear strong and I needed to be safe. So those walls, you know, were very firmly entrenched around me and to have them not be there anymore, just is kind of life changing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also want to go back to one thing you said before I get to the next thing, which is when you said that you've you've always generally been a happy person, but that Mm -hmm. you were still searching. And I think that's also really important to say, like, sometimes I've even grappled with that, like, if I'm searching, or if I don't feel complete, or you know, then am I a fraud if I say that I'm happy? And I think it's a really nice distinction that you can be and feel like a happy person, but still feel like something's missing or not complete, right? And they're not mutually exclusive. Right. I mean, right? Yeah. So I I like that you just explain that. Um, And so when you talk about so I have, I have a nosy question, but this is totally like yeah. probably not appropriate, but <laughs> when you, <laughs> so you describe this, this not like at this relationship that's so great, it's nauseating in, in his words, but like, are, there must be moments where you like, don't not don't get along, but where it's like, eh, or there's yin yang, like there has to be, right? Of course. Okay. <laughs> of course. Yes. But here's the funny thing. Yeah. Um, four years in and we are very different people. And we've also had really different experiences. And then um, we each bring different things to the table. Mm So about two years in, we were talking and someone had said, well, do you guys ever fight? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't think we've ever had a fight. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't think we've ever had a fight. And he disagreed. He thought we'd definitely had fights. But to me, up until that point, um, Fighting involved, so if you were to have a fight, it must have screaming. Mm. It must have me going into my shell and trying to figure out my exit strategy. It must have, you know, adrenaline and nauseated feelings in my stomach and confrontation where I shut down because I am incapable at this point of doing confrontation. I'm trying to learn to be Mm. a little bit more. But so my vision of a fight looked very different than his. Mm -hmm. So do we yell at each other? No, because we're not like that. Mm-hmm. Do we disagree? Yes. Are we completely like, we totally have different ways of doing things. And sometimes, you know, there have been the odd occasion when it comes to a head. Mostly what I've learned is that in this relationship, I can say what I'm actually feeling. Mm-hmm. We can actually solve what that had, you know, whatever that conflict or that those hard feelings were, we can work through them. They don't get bottled up to the point where they create, you know, really bad scenarios. And then they sort of dissipate much faster, mm-hmm. you know, and I've learned that he is quiet and I'm not, I like to talk through things. He internalizes. And then when he comes out of that cave, he is fine. And so I think when you're in a safe place, it's so much easier to let people be the way that they are mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be the way that you are. And you each get to process and then come back together and be stronger. And that's, something that I've never had before. quite honestly. Yeah. And that also leads me to the, what I was, one of the questions that I hadn't sent you in advance. So for people listening again, I sent Kim a couple questions knowing full well that like I would meander. Right. Um, oh, but those were big questions. Those were like, <laughs> like Define oh happiness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but when you're, so one of the things I was actually going to ask you was when you came together with him, because you had experience where you hadn't felt safe, you know, emotionally, you know, was there fear and around that or like that kind of is the spinoff of the question, how did you just know? And, yeah. and I can only speak from my own experience once in my life, 
I just knew more certainly than I knew anything about that something that, that a person yeah. when a person's right like it's something that you can't explain you don't have to think about so I can relate to the just the knowing part and then also yeah. the you know was there any fear or like what if this doesn't isn't what I think because of your past experience of not feeling safe um, so that's part a of the question but also b is is just a comment about the ability to to have those moments that are a little bit like not confrontational but you know resistance um, where there's resistance because you know that the ground beneath you is is so solid and and I and I appreciate that 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 allows you to then go into that place of yeah maybe being fearful or not fearful vulnerable um, but I but I am curious about whether there have ever been times where you're where you have had fear about well can will it last or can we make it through that or what if this doesn't work or do you ever have those fears you know, sometimes the things that are going to come out of my mouth are just like, Perfect. Oh, please, really. <laughs> um, but I actually, um, since we have decided to be, since we decided to be in a relationship, I have never at one time thought that it wasn't like the thing. Mm-hmm. I have never had the fear of us losing this or us disappearing. I think we have so much gratitude for our relationship that we we verbalize that mm-hmm. all of the time. Um, that being said, he would say I came into the relationship with massive walls, of course. He had done in his previous relationship a lot of therapy, like couples therapy. Mm-hmm. So he had learned, you know, all this stuff about vulnerability and about authenticity. And I had, you know, a pretty good grasp of that kind of thing, but I've never put it to practice. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a while to be able to. I never felt like he was going to leave. That wasn't the safety issue. I think I felt unsafe letting him really see me. Mm-hmm. So it took me a long time to let him see all of the parts that seemed weak or that seemed, because I couldn't do weakness in my previous relationship. Mm-hmm. So to let someone see parts that weren't strong or completely capable, that was the part that the fear came from me. Not that he would leave if he was, it would see them anyway. Mm-hmm. I just felt shame that I had those parts. And I, it took a while for me to understand that those are all part of what make me who I am. And so it's okay. And also to have someone to work through those things with Mm -hmm. so that maybe they weren't weaknesses anymore, because I learned how to deal with them. And when you, when you two came back together, had you actually had like a, this is, this is a linear style question that I wouldn't ever normally think of, but um, did you ever sit down to say like, okay, if we're going to do this, these are this is how it, this is what I need. This is what you need. This like, was there a conversation about that or did it just sort of evolve into? I think because it evolved so slowly and it started just as connection and then it started as a friendship. Um, I, I don't think we ever talked about it because each step of the way we sort of assess because mm. we communicate so well. I think that at each step of the way, we really communicate what we need Um with very few exceptions. And then the other thing that I have learned, uh, as many as of, of us have learned this when you have this many years on the planet, mm-hmm. is that your partner cannot be everything for mm-hmm. you. And I think that's where a village comes in. And that's where having, you know, friendships and that are 
really authentic and really true and you can be honest because those relationships fill in the parts that your partner, I can't be any everything to him mm-hmm. and he cannot be everything to me. So the beauty is the things that I know I'm probably not going to get from him, like maybe he's not going to say the things I need to hear. That is what I have friends for. Mm-hmm. And they, it's just a different dynamic, but I think you need all the pieces of the puzzle to be, have that completeness. I don't think one person is ever going to serve all those yeah, those jobs. And I learned that to myself. And I, I always think, think if I, you know, it's easy to look back and think, oh, if I would have just known that, of course, I mean, we're here yeah. in this time because of our experiences, as we talked about yesterday, and as everyone knows, yeah. but that was one thing that I probably um, didn't know that I was even expecting of a, of a past partner was to be all the things. And yeah, it's just, it's not possible. I think many of us have done that, right? You get into a relationship and they sell you the fairy tale Mm -hmm. of, you know, this person's your everything, but that's not fair to put that kind of pressure on anyone. Right. No. And, um, okay. So my last nosy question, and then we'll move on to the gratitude Mm -hmm. because I think it's a huge piece (laughs) of this um, podcast. It really is. Um, It's like the undertone. Um, when you say you, so you move slowly through that process, I don't know, let's call it a process through that evolution of the relationship. And because it started out as a reconnection and then friends, was there a part of you though, at that stage where you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure I know that this is my person or were you literally just like friends and happy to be friends? You know, I think the thing that under sort of what lied underneath the whole time was that he was such a gentle, open soul. And from the first moment, it, it started to allow me to be authentically who I was. Um, even though I had the walls, I think just the person that he let me be just by being himself, it started to show me what I, what I had probably always wanted and didn't even know because I'd never experienced it. Mm-hmm. But I just think that that is that was such an, a draw for me is just the feeling of being valued and having someone say things that they weren't, you know, they, he would say kind things about me to me in a way that didn't feel like he was saying them just because he thought I wanted to hear them, mm-hmm. but he actually said, and that was a, that was a huge, a huge thing for me. Um, just someone who like sees you. I don't mm-hmm. know that many of us and our generation, especially because of, of how we grew up and how our parents grew up and then subsequently raised us. Um, I don't know that the way that we pour words of life into each other now, into our friendships, into our children, that, that wasn't something that was done to us. So when someone starts saying really kind giving things about you to you mm-hmm. it's like wow how could you ever not value that mm-hmm. and, and want more of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure um yeah okay so um, I, okay i'll we'll move on to gratitude and not that it's separate from yeah. what we were just talking about but um yeah. um and I, I, there's that part when you talk about the generations and just the way we were raised and all those things, I could, I was debating, do I go down that trajectory? Cause I really relate to that too, but um, we'll stay on. I think many of us do. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, and I mean, I think there was the unicorn parents. Yeah. I always refer to them as the unicorn parents, the parents who raised pe- children in the seventies and eighties that did do those yeah. things that did say to their daughters, if you work hard enough, you can be, you know, 
what you want to be. And, you know, I just think that was, those were parents that were the, the exception, mm-hmm. not the norm necessarily. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now when I want, when I want to have like interesting, different, difficult conversations, I definitely have to like push a little bit with my family. They're willing to have them, but I'm definitely the, the initiator of those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, if we, and so you talk, you talked about how the foundation of your relationship is, is your, is gratitude and how you and Scott are so grateful for what you have. And you express that all the time. Um, do, is there a time in your life where you remember like beginning to to cultivate a gratitude practice or develop a, was it something that you consciously chose to do or did it just sort of happen where you found yourself grateful? I, I think it started um, when I first left my last marriage and was fortunate enough to um, be able to move five minutes away from him into a little house that we had owned. And it was, I had moved from a beautiful 1928 farmhouse mm-hmm. on acreage to this tiny little, also 1928 mm-hmm. um, house that sat on a bigger property, but was, um, it was a bit dilapidated when I moved in. It was, it just was an old 1928 house that had been sort of scotch taped and, you know, popsicle sticked together. And so I remember, I mean, the first time I remember after coming out of a life of uh, excess and affluence and comfort and walking into this crazy little weird house with mice and, and being so grateful. Honestly, every time I drove into that driveway and looked at that little house, and I think that was the start of independence for me, something I'd never like really embraced because I always thought I needed to be married. That was my that's my, my path from when I was young, but to, to walk into a space that at that point, um, it was just my youngest was there half time. My number three was there part time, but I was there, you know, full time and just having this roof over my head that I could walk into and there was never going to be stress. I mean, I was going to bring stress because I was about to go through divorce and, you know, all of that is a lot, but there was no, um, it was all of my stuff that I brought into that house. There was nobody there waiting to be upset with me. Mm-hmm. There's nobody there. You know, I, I just, I walked into peace and I remember feeling so much gratitude and that started me seeing all the little things like when I could finally renovate that little kitchen. Um, I just felt so lucky that I could buy like some Ikea cabinets and mix and match with the existing counter and just all the things. It just made me feel so lucky, which was such a strange thing coming from a a world where I didn't really value. um, And looking back, I look at some of it and think, oh my gosh, that was amazing. (laughs) But I I look at back fondly and think that was a, that was a chapter where I had these things and I took them for granted because it was everywhere. And now every little thing, I just feel like, how lucky am I that, and so it started small with just, you know, having a roof over my head that felt safe and it felt good. And it's become something that I consciously, you know, when I turned 50, there was no way I was grieving 50 sister, (laughs) because I have friends from high school that didn't get to see 50. So how on earth could I possibly complain about it? Like, I think that it's all perspective. And I think that we can turn anything into a positive if you just give it a moment. And I want to say to people listening who weren't part of our conversation yesterday, um, that 
it's not that you pretend everything is perfect. Like you are very much a real woman who, you know, just like anybody else can have thoughts that aren't positive. So it's not about you, you know, just saying, Mm. oh, let's just turn this positive, make, but make this into a positive, but it is a a conscious, intentional thought process and mindset to be able to, or to choose to do that. Right. And, and I do remember too, when I, after my separation, I, I was on quadrant. I, I lived in this little cabin it was like a studio cabin and it was 700 bucks a month, which was actually for them. It was really expensive for people on Quadra. <laughs> I was like, no, that's a good deal. Yeah. And it was furnished, but it didn't have a stove. It didn't have a, like there was, it had like a little hot plate. And I remember thinking, yeah. and it had a mini bar fridge and it had the, the hot water tank <laughs> as amazing as the shower was. It had an open door to the yard and stuff. It's super cool. This, the hot water tank was tiny. It lasted like an average of five minutes. Right. And there was, oh, and so yeah. these little things, and I was like, I'm 43 years old. And I was just like, like I had moments where I was like, I can't believe that this, but that, that lasted a second. And then the other moment was replaced with like, look at this cute little cabin I get to live in, you yeah. know, like it's, and, and in fact, over time, it, it really became less about the things I didn't have. And like you, when I would pull up in that driveway of that little cabin, I'd be like, oh, I'm so lucky to live here. I mean, there were times yeah. towards the end of the year where I was like, okay. I would like to be able to cook, right? Like, I, and then I moved, right? Uh, but, yeah, um, yep. I, but it wasn't. I think it's really important. Yeah, I think it's important to also honor the things that are hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, you know, we talked yesterday about how my Instagram images are beautiful, but that's because my history is as a photographer. So of course, you know, the photos can be beautiful, mm-hmm. but if you read the content, I'm always sharing. Um, I haven't seen three of my kids in seven months. Mm-hmm. I lost the woman that basically raised me, my grandma, in August, and I couldn't go down and say goodbye to her uh, because of a closed border. And so there's some really hard, you know, yesterday, my child turned 27. It was the first year in 27 years that I haven't, you know, celebrated becoming a mother for the first time. But you know what? I think we need to like have a moment. Do I cry? Oh my mm-hmm. Lord. <laughs> I cry all the time because that release for me is like honoring the hard stuff, but I don't dwell mm-hmm. on it because it doesn't do any good. And I know as someone who suffers from anxiety and who has historically had depression, dwelling on that stuff is not going to take me to a good place. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about a gratitude practice, it is a practice because some days are shit. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. are. And it's hard to find something positive, but the fact is I know if I just make myself start thinking of some positive things, it will turn my day around. And that is the day ultimately I want mm-hmm. to have. So it, it's a practice some days, some days it's not. Some days you just think, I mean, like yesterday, yeah. how beautiful was yesterday? Yeah. And we're just like, I, we live in a place that's beautiful and the sun is shining and it feels like summer, but some days it's harder. Yeah. And, and, uh, and like I said to you this morning, like I, I went, I went to sleep last night and I had the big cry from, to, for myself, right. About something in my life. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I can easily wake up and, and instantly relive those moments. Or I can decide, like you just said, like, what is, what kind of day is it that I want to have? We may not necessarily yeah. have that exact day, but at least if we say the intention, this is the day I want to have. And then it's like, yeah. well, will dwelling in these moments help me get there? Probably not. Not to say we shouldn't honor them because I, I do think like you, I agree that we need to have the time and space to have those moments. And then, and sometimes we shift more easily and more quickly than other times. Right. Um, Right. Exactly. And here that actually leads to my next question. So say, 
you know, let's just call you, let's just for like shits and giggles be like, okay, you're a master of gratitude practice. Let's just call you that for right now. And, um, <laughs> and I can't it. believe, I, you know, I've used that term now, shits and giggles twice in the last week. And I've never used that term before that phrase before in my life. It's weird. I don't, it's like, it's been at least the nineties for me, <laughs> but I did back in the nineties for like, sure. I'm so I have old. some real doozies. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And apparently, like, using the word rad when you're 47 is not that cool either. Oh, like, I don't, oh so. don't do it in front of your 14-year-old. You will <laughs> completely lose street cred. I'm telling you. It's not good. Oh, sorry. Okay, so the, my question would be, like, say, say someone says, you know, that really sounds nice. I've never had a gratitude practice. I've never been around people who have one. Um, is it really as simple as just looking around my apartment and finding something that I can be grateful for? Like, even if it's like, wow, that if I turn that light on, I have electricity. Like, can it, what would you say to someone who says, I really want to start a gratitude practice, but I don't really even know where to begin. Or do I just like pretend I'm grateful for the things, even if I'm not feeling it? I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. So, well, I know. And I don't think there is. I think we are all so different as to how we're wired. I think, I have been a huge believer in fake it to make it till you make it because I think if you act like you're living the life and I don't mean to be fraudulent mm-hmm. or to put on, you know, a glossy exterior, but sometimes I feel like you need to just do it until it becomes mm-hmm. because that is, that's an, a way to move in the right direction. I also think everyone is different as far as how they, they, create new patterns. For me, if I wanted to start a new practice, I would say to myself, every single morning, before I get out of bed, I'm going to list five things that I am grateful for. And my first one would always be that Mm -hmm. I woke up because honestly, that's how my eldest brother passed away. He went to bed one night and he didn't. Mm -hmm. So I think that truly there is always something to be grateful for. I traveled to India Um, when I turned 40, that was where I spent my 40th birthday. And I remember learning about the caste system and how, and I'm going to get this completely wrong. I apologize in advance for completely messing this up. But the fact of the matter that I took away from it was whatever caste you're at, it's always easier to look ahead and see how much more they have. But I think if you look back and see that there are people that always have less, always have it harder, there's always someone who struggles more. There's, you know, you can have gratitude for where you are at this moment. It doesn't mean you're going to be in the same place tomorrow. But right now, you know, if we're breathing, Mm -hmm. well, then we're ahead of the people who aren't. So I feel like to find, you know, three or five things each morning that start your brain because you it's rewiring our brains are these amazing things that can be rewired but it takes a practice. Mm -hmm. And so if you start to look for things you're gratitude that you're grateful for, I mean, If you, it's hard to say I'm grateful my car started unless yesterday morning you were late and you went to start your car and it didn't start. You would have given anything about your car start. So there's always something that you can find that, you know, and life is really tough sometimes. And I think we forget what we have been through in the last year. And I think like a frog put in cold water, we have slowly come Mm -hmm. to boil and we forget that if we had gone from last year to today, we would be like, what is Mm -hmm. happening? But we have acclimated. It doesn't make it any less hard. It's just that we've Mm -hmm. acclimated. So I think it is hard sometimes to find gratitude when things are really tough, but I think there are always Mm -hmm. things. And it's just a matter of pointing them out to yourself, acknowledging them, and then starting because one will lead to another. 
you'll start to see things that are the smallest thing. Like I think you said yesterday, you know, if you've, let's say you've had a migraine for three days, when you don't have pain, those first couple hours or days that you don't have pain, you are so grateful for no Mm -hmm. pain. But two weeks down the road, you've forgotten how great it feels to not have pain because, you know, so Mm -hmm. there's, it's just perspective. And you know, what's that saying? If you look for what you don't have, you have nothing. If you look for what you have, you have everything. It's like, it's really, it's so true. It's perspective, right? It's just mindset. And it's just resetting your mind. And I think some of us have been very fortunate, you know, whether it started for me, like in my 40s, or some people like this generation that's growing up now probably will never know anything different. But being able to have these conversations with other people who because I th- I've always felt, you know, if you're in a relationship and you hang out with couples who are miserable, your relationship's going to go that direction. But if you're fortunate enough to have a social circle that is positive or that looks for the good versus looks for the bad, I think we tend to move in that direction. So I think these conversations, you know, we live in a place where our our village tends to maybe see things, you know, in a positive light. Not everybody mm-hmm. does, but you could be the first person, right? You could live in a small town where things are hard. And, you know, women may not get together and have these conversations about, you know, gratitude, or how can we, you know, move things in a positive direction. But if somebody starts it, it will always draw, you know, good energy, because people ultimately want to be Mm -hmm. happy, and they want to find joy. And that's, you know, I was thinking about that the other day about, uh, you know, if I'm feeling a, a um, lack in a particular area, or if I'm not feeling as happy as I'd like, yes, I can do all of the things to create that for myself. And I can literally like reach out to people and say, Hey, I want to create more happiness in my life. Like, do you want to be part of that? <laughs> and it sounds really like yes. basic. And someone might be like, nah, I'm good. Right. And someone might say, Oh my gosh. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And, and it starts out with two people having a conversation every Absolutely. week about the things. Are, and next thing you know, you know, you're feeling better. It's like, yeah, it's literally a contagious thing. Right. And absolutely. And so how would you, well, maybe this is, maybe you've already said it. I was going to say, you know, how has a gratitude practice changed your life or impacted your life? But I think, I think we've, you've probably, is there anything else you would add to that in terms of how it's impacted you? No, just honestly, it's just that I think with finding things to be grateful for maybe helps me process the hard things a little faster and move back to that only because that's sort of now how my mind is wired. Whereas it, it, it truly, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't 10 years ago. um, It was, it was not the same. I didn't have things to find that were, you know, have such an easy time finding the smaller things that made me happy. And so I tend to spiral into the negative things. And that's the way my brain, that's the way I've been my whole life is it's very easy for me to spiral into the negative if I am not, you know, intentional. About and I it. think two amazing things right there. First of all, I'm, well, two things. One is that I relate, like I said yesterday, my default isn't to see the positive. I have this one friend, Juliana, and I, yeah. I just say to her, I just, I don't even understand how she's like real. And it's not because she's fake. So we call yeah. her Pollyanna. Her actual name is Pollyanna. Yeah, and she amazing. literally like, and she's had suffering in her life and she's had things go on that could make her go down a different path, but she is probably the most positive. And I, when I say not fake positive, just cho- intentional, yeah. the, one of the most, if not the most uh, intentionally positive person I've ever met. Um, so I reach out to her sometimes when I'm in a funk. I'm like, I want to talk to you. Not, not, it may not rub off on me yes. at this moment, but it, you know what? I think of her often. Um, but also, 
um, when you say you had so much say in, in that 17 year marriage, you had the abundance, you had the luxury, you had the trips, you had the material things and, and had a harder time finding things to be grateful for than now. Right. And now that, yeah. I mean, you live on a, on a beautiful, in a beautiful place with a beautiful um, partner and a home that, and we're going to get to your studio in a second. So you definitely have things that you could be grateful for, but in terms of, um, uh, comparison, if you will, like one would think, oh, yeah. well, when you have all that stuff, sh- surely it can be easy to find things to be grateful for. And that's just not the way it works, yeah. right? It has to be mm-hmm. a mindset. And so, yeah. It comes from within. It honestly comes from within. And so I think it was one of your Instagram posts actually that attracted where me the most, where I started really, really intentionally following was on the story and the evolution of your pottery studio that you know, and, and add <laughs> Scott's involvement in making that thing happen the way it did. And, and like, maybe it's the, um, the enigma, not, that's not the right word, like that. What's it called? Evasive time. Like time has been so weird in the last year. I don't know if it happened as quickly as it seemed to happen on Instagram, but I was like, wow, that studio came together. And, and yes, I promise you that was not the case. <laughs> It's been so slow. Yeah, but yes, it does seem that way. Can you, um, the last little bit here, I just want to talk about, yeah, your studio and also like how your relationship with Scott, how your relationship with gratitude and finding happiness has changed or has impacted you as an artist. Um, So just tell our, the listeners here a little bit about your, your creative side and and what, what do you, what you create in that incredible studio? So I am so, I mean, talk about gratitude, that studio, I think perspective is a beautiful thing because I started throwing pottery. I've been a photographer for years. Um, I started a nonprofit with an amazing doctor in Uganda and we, that's sort of like my passion. That's my legacy project. But uh, once I started that, I, the photography really fell off because I would only take photographs when I was there. Um, and then when I left my marriage, I needed something to earn income. And I tried a number of things, uh, just hadn't worked for a really long time. And then I used to have an online shop and I needed pottery and my ex-husband used to make my pottery and he didn't want to do that anymore, (laughs) shockingly. And so I needed to figure out how to do that. And I just decided to take a class and loved it in a way I never thought I would. And so I set up a little studio with a used wheel in the cellar of that 1928 house. And man, that thing flooded occasionally. It was just damp and dark, but it also was a place for me to learn and to start what became my business. And so to move to Canada, um, back to Canada last August, uh, Scott and I had bought this land a couple of years ago on a little island and it's 11 acres. And the intention was we were both going to move here in four years when both of our children had graduated high school. They have three and a half years left. Um, and so we were gonna settle here then. And then I moved to Courtney because that is the closest town to our little island. And I, I knew that I would be moving here with Finn. I thought it was not fair for him to go from Seattle to a little tiny island. So we moved to town. And then Scott is a classical mm-hmm. pianist. And he is, so he's a musical. He's incredibly um, intellectual. He started building our house like a year and a half ago. We poured the foundation, but he built that house himself it is the craziest thing he hired someone and he with his own hands 
put the roof on 14 foot ceilings or walls. Um, and so we were just slowly working on that. And then COVID struck and he was living in North Van and he came over here for spring break last year, a year ago and never went back because everything shut down during spring break. And so since then he is basically, so it, it seems like everything has come together rather quickly because no one's actually been here. So the interior of both of our studios, so he's, he finished the house to the point where I he was going to say, there, where did he live? Very while he was dreary. Working on it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So he's in the house. So he has finished it. So the house has um it's about 75 percent done it's not completed on the inside it's got a completely jury-rigged kitchen but it has heat it has a bathroom and a shower it has a hot plate and a little toaster oven and it's absolutely fine for him and then the priority when i moved here became we need to get some studios done because um so he lived here from march to august and then when I moved up, we just knew that I needed a place to work because that's how I was going to be earning money. And so he just, same thing. He designed these studios. They're side by side. They're adjacent studios. His music studios on one side, my pottery studios on the other side. And the priority was just getting my space done. And he, I mean, all summer long, he's going to school online and he is building my studio so the interior is completed and that's what needed to be done the exterior is all Tyvek paper and the siding will go on this summer I'm sure but that's not a rush so it did seem like it went up quickly in that um that I mean from August until June when did I move in here February early February so I mean that's not a terribly long time but it was seven months that I did not throw or six months mm -hmm. that I did not throw and so that was a bit of a, a learning curve getting back to it, but it is an incredible space. I mean, after working in a dark, damp little space where things didn't really dry very quickly, I've got beautiful shelves, everything dries, the light is mm -hmm. unbelievable. And I look out endless windows to, you know, evergreen forest. And it's a little tiny walk to the house, you know, through a path that I go make breakfast and lunch and it's yeah. pretty dreamy and then in three and a half years I do plan on being here full-time and it's just it's pretty dreamy I can't yeah I mean yeah if you can, can see it. my smile right now I'm just I, I yeah. feel so lucky I, I think that was <laughs> the amazing. post that I saw where there was a photo of yours on one side and his on the other side I was like okay I need to oh, read all of this woman I went back so and like cool. creeped you and I was like okay this is amazing um so and so how, okay, I, actually at the end, we'll talk about how people can find out about your studio and the name of it, uh, yeah. how to, you know, find your pottery. But just one other question. So when you said that, you know, he was in North Van, where were you? So you had a period where you reconnected, but you weren't quite living together then, it sounds like. We had, we had right. a year and a half where I was living one week wow. in North Van uh, when, when Finn was at his dad's and then one week in Seattle when I had Finn. Um, and that was a year and a wow. half of doing that. And so it was, it was, it, yeah, probably actually that's not even true. It was over two years. So yeah, it was a long commute, but mm -hmm. here's the thing. Um, it was also pretty amazing because I got one year living on the North shore, which I hadn't done in 20 years. And I have family, half mm -hmm. my family's up here. I have friends from when I was in my late teens here and then I would go back to Seattle to that little house and I have all of my boys down there and they drop by all the time. I would have dinner with my eldest and number three all the time. They'd stop over. I have amazing friends down there. And so I kind of got these two little 
lives that, um, and then my grandma, the one that I lost in August, lived halfway between, just on the Washington side of the border. So I would mm-hmm. stop by and see her on my trip fast. So it just, um, it was mm-hmm. pretty special, you know, and obviously with me not being able to go back now at all, I I really see how mm-hmm. special it was. But um, yeah, it worked for us, you know, we did what worked because it's what mm-hmm. we had and and then when you say, when you say that you, you want to be there full time, so you're not on the small island all the time. Okay. No, I live in town on Vancouver Island. Um, Finn and I are in the townhouse nice. over there and it's great and it's almost new. So after, you know, 20 years of 1928 houses, it's pretty spectacular to have nothing living under yeah. your sink, nothing leaking, nothing failing. So we just, we're on the island and then I come back and forth. It's the sweetest yeah, commute. I drive down the coast for 20 minutes to the ferry. I take a 12 minute ferry ride across and then I scoot up another 12 minutes to the top of the mm-hmm. island and the studio's here. So actually, I mean, yeah, I think actually dreamy. when you say being in town, that's right. I think one of our common like on Instagram, how we met too was through this like local ice cream place, and I was like, "Oh, you go there too?" And you're like, "I think that's how." Oh that's my right. gosh! That's right. that's yes, exactly. and they're reopened. Loves they're ice cream. The they yeah. are so good. Um, okay, so then, oh, I love everything about because yeah, I, I knew that if I didn't ask every question yesterday, I wanted to you know learn about you in real time with people listening to today. So oh, I love the whole thing. Um, so how can people find out about your pottery studio or get on your mailing list or however you want to share that? You know, the best spot to go is uh, www.kimtaylor.co, not com, just co. Um, Because on there is the newsletter. And if you are interested in the pottery, which um, I'm on Instagram, which also is linked on my website, which is just kimtaylor.co. Uh, my shop opens whenever I have enough. My sort of system right now is that I make a bunch of things mm. that make me happy and then I list them. I have an update. I open the shop at a certain time and by some <laughs> miracle, <laughs> people keep showing up and it's crazy. Uh, a lot of stuff sells out really quickly and I'm, but now having the space, I'm. This is the first opening. It's open right now, but it will be closed in, mm-hmm. by this afternoon. It. Uh, I had enough that I, you know, didn't sell out, which is wonderful. That's the goal. And so, yeah. So the newsletter lets people know um, when the shop is opening because that Instagram algorithm, you can follow someone, but it doesn't mean right. you're going to see all of their things. So, it's a great way just to know the shop is going to be updated because it's usually open for about 24 hours and then. A lot of it sells out and I get it shipped and, out. You know, quick, I want to so. say something to your yeah. integrity on two levels. Um, number one, the fact that you just said the goal is to not sell out. You know, as someone who my Virgo tendency, whenever I have something, it's like it has to sell out in the first 36 hours or it's like it depends what you're selling and why, I suppose. Right. But I love yeah. that whole mentality and mindset that it's like you're there to provide for people and you want them to get what they want. So to not want to sell out. I mean, I hear you, you'd rather people buy it than no one buy anything. But, but when you're saying that, of the, course, like the goal is to actually not sell out so that everybody can have something I just think is a wonderful, a wonderful model. 
that's exactly it's much better for me to have stuff left than to have yeah. people sad that they yeah. really wanted something yeah. I feel so bad I'm like oh my god yeah. next time I promise and also so, yeah in terms just... of your the integrity around when one of our first communications was that when you learned that I um work with that I sell doTERRA and you wanted to buy something and I wanted to give you the, you know the wholesale price and not charge you because I felt bad all right I was like I didn't even know you and I still didn't want to charge you a retail price and you said it's really important for me to support you and that was another big thing that I remember stuck in my mind of the, the integrity that you have around your you know your own business around supporting other women's businesses so I just want people to have like this full picture of all of the things that you represent and that just came to mind when you said well thank you when you said the comment made the comment about not wanting to sell out I think women I think that women don't understand the power Mm -hmm. of supporting other women because not only by buying their products but Mm -hmm. by believing in them it helps them to believe in themselves and sadly um, many of Mm -hmm. us that is not uh, something that we innately do is believe in ourselves. So I think when another woman says to you, you know, you, your business has value and I want to support it financially because mm-hmm. that's how we support things, um, then it just helps you believe that you're yeah. worth supporting. You know, I just think women don't understand that the value of a word or, you know, a kind interaction actually can make a much bigger yeah. difference than yeah. we realize. I know. I could talk. I mean, honestly, I feel like you and I will, we will, because we'll just continue. But I, um, I think there's so many things to talk about. As we get older, we get so much wiser. And I just, I think there's so much to, to share, to encourage each other. And, you know, just normalizing conversations yeah. that might open up, you know, new thought waves for people. I yeah. think it's pretty amazing. And, I, and yeah, that could be another topic, normalizing, just normalizing so many things that aren't, yeah. <laughs> seriously okay well we'll leave it there for today even though I'm sad and um and I really felt like I said to you this morning due to things going on in my life you know I could have gone down one path which is like oh I'm gonna feel sorry for myself today and just forget you know I don't can I have this conversation or and instead it's like this has been such it's such a gift for me to be in your energy and to hear your happiness and your joy. And, um, and so I'm really, really grateful, like podcast stuff aside, right. Just to be able to have a conversation. Sometimes I forget that we're on a podcast, to be honest, except that I know at some point I have to hit the end. I know. Like, okay. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I have really enjoyed it. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much for thinking of me and inviting me. It means a lot just to be, you know, just being living this normal kind of yeah. slightly <laughs> not boring but just simple life and and to know that there's value in that too you don't have to be doing such big yeah, things to have value it's, it's pretty and special then, and what we'll do is when we share this link we'll post um your instagram info and and um so we'll be sharing it out yeah. there and yeah thank you so thank much you. and have a beautiful day okay you Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to visit DanaMahone.com to learn more ways to be your healthiest, most amazing self yet. And to order a copy of my book, Release Your Inner Wild, The Modern Day Women's Guide to Reconnecting with Your True Self, Honoring Your Health, Passion, and Power. Ciao for now.